Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of Legends of the Batman. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm Michael Bradley. And this week, in our effort to tackle everything Batman from the beginning, we will be looking at a whimsical little tale that was first featured in Detective Comics number 44, way back in September of 1940. Uh, but before we get into that, um, I should backpedal a little and, and focus on the this week that I just said, because we haven't really been a this week or podcast in a while. Um, I think it's been what since July, August. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, so we should probably explain where we've been. So, um, Mike, do you want to say why you quit the show? Or <laughs> well, oh. I quit the show because Kaiser said he was quitting. Oh, oh, so right. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think I already explained it a little bit in, in my Cap show, my Captain America show that I used to do uh, or that used to exist. I should say at this point, but essentially I just got, uh, in over my head, I guess. Um, this show was going along just fine. You know, it was a couple hours a week, which isn't that big a deal. But then, so I decided to add on another show, a cap show, which was only going to be monthly. But the problem with monthly shows is they're about three or four hours long. And that means about six to eight hours of recording and six to eight hours of editing on top of this show, which all of a sudden not only was just a, a you know one story here or there, then we started getting every once in a while there'd be six stories to cover. It quadrupled in size. It yeah. quadrupled in size. So next thing you know, it seemed like all I was doing was podcasting, and I was having nightmares about podcasting. So I, I just decided to, um, I don't know if the word quit, but definitely take a break. Um, with the cap show, we tried to keep it going without me, and that ended up not working because they also got in over their head. And with this show, Mike was nice enough to pretend I was irreplaceable, and we. Uh, just decided to put it on hiatus. So we're finally back as of uh, this recording. I guess it's mm-hmm. been, uh, what, six months? Yeah. Uh, I want to say July, but maybe that was yeah. recorded last. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, we had a lot of you know, people asking when the show is coming back and staying in contact with us. So we really appreciate you know, the interest. And if you're listening to this, you're returning to this show for this episode. We appreciate you coming back. And welcome, new listeners, if you've never heard of us before. Um, Do we want to just give a brief rundown of who we are and, and what the show is for the new listeners, or do you think we covered that already? Probably a good idea. Um, essentially, what Mike and I are trying to do is what the subtitle of the show is, Everything Batman from the Beginning. So essentially what we're trying to do is cover – we were initially trying to cover a month worth of Batman each episode, whether that be you know comics or I guess eventually it will be radio and newspaper strips or you know if we make it to – where we're both 100 years old, we may even talk about <laughs> movies and cartoons and all that. But um, you know, anything we can figure out that happened in a specific month as regards to Batman. Um, now we're going to change the format a little because uh, we're trying to not be too overworked. Um, I think what we're going to do now is just tackle one story per episode because it seems like it takes us about an hour to cover a story for some reason. So... <laughs> uh, when we when we start getting to these episodes where like a month had you know not only Detective Comics one story in Detective Comics but five stories in Batman it would it'd be you know three hour episodes yeah so, um, and that's that's a lot of work on our end and and a lot for the listeners um, yeah to come back to my my original thought on those longer episodes was that you know people can pause and come back but I've kind of gotten to the point in my own podcasting where I think listeners prefer the shorter episodes 
just because they can sit down and listen to it all at one time. I mean, even though they could come back, it's you know they have the one thing they can listen to it in one sitting, and so it you know it's it's better all around. I think if we split it up. Yeah, that's the only. I think that's the only few complaints we've got about this show is those two episodes that tried to cover more than an hour's worth of material. So yeah. So hopefully it'll be better for everybody, and if that doesn't work out, we'll change it again. But for now, that's that's going to be our new mission statement. So one story at a time, folks. So before we get into the story, since it has been six or seven months since since we uh, got together and, and talked about Batman, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened that's been Batman-related in, in the news. Uh, probably the biggest news is that Jerry Robinson died on December 7th, which is – Obviously, very sad mm-hmm. for those of you who are new to the podcast and, and perhaps even new to Batman. Jerry Robinson was one of the earliest inkers on the Batman strip, and he, he contributed a lot to the strip, including the creation of Robin and the Joker. Yeah. So we were all very sad to hear of his passing. But he was 90, 89? 89 or 90. Yeah. So he had a long, long full life. And he just came out with a, a book about um, was it comic strips, or the history of comic strips? I think. And it uh, was it was kind of a autobiographical, was it not? I don't remember. Um, I just know it was being plugged on his Facebook page, and I, not that he, not that I know this for certain, but I just kind of was hoping that maybe he would be torn around a little bit with that book, and mm. maybe I'd get a chance to to meet the guy we've been talking about. That'd be kind of neat, but. Unfortunately, yeah. fortunately, it didn't happen. So, yeah, that book was called Jerry Robinson, Ambassador of Comics. Okay. And it sort of talked about his life and cartooning and and illustration and and so it was. Uh, and how he totally created the Joker and not Bat- <laughs> Bob Kane, probably. <laughs> Possibly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I have not read it, but I may have no. to track yeah. it down at some point. Yeah, we'll have to read that. Uh, but we also had some other. Passings in the interim. Um, Eduardo Barreto died December 15th. He didn't do too many Batman stories, but he had a fairly lengthy run on Teen Titans in the mid to late 80s. And <laughs> even though he had really little or nothing to do with Batman, another Golden Age great, Joe Simon, died on December yeah. 14th, which was very, you know, very. Uh, he also just came out with a book, didn't he? I don't know. Yeah, I thought he did. Hmm. Yeah, he did, his autobiography. So that's <laughs> bad timing all around. Note to self, don't write autobiography. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really. Uh But in, and more recently here, Ian Abercrombie died. Uh, he was the actor that played Alfred in the Birds of Prey TV series. Ah. And more recently, he was the voice of Ganthet in the, Green La- the, the new Green Lantern cartoon, which as of this recording has only aired the, the premiere episode, but uh, more coming on the way. Have you seen the Birds of Prey cartoon, or, or I mean, a television show? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, I watched it when it was on TV. Mm-hmm. And I think I have it on VHS tape as well. Uh, a guy sent it to me when it was still on because this was before everything was released on DVD, like yeah. immediately. Really? Yeah. But, um, I, I was kind of disappointed about the lack of response from the comic book news sites about the deaths of Jerry Robinson and, and Joe Simon and even Eduardo Barreto. It just seems like when other creators have died, there were a lot of – several days of posts mourning them and, and giving tributes and the like. But with Robinson and, and Simon, it just seems 
and maybe I missed them, but it just seems like the sites reported it, did the obligatory roundup of comments from creators, and then moved on. Um, yeah, it was a very uh, just a quick like one or two hours on Facebook, pretty much. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I know, I know folks like Mike Raringo and, and Michael Turner, who have died recently. Were, but they both died young and were more contemporary artists, but. I mean, Jerry Robinson and Joe Simon are two of the biggies. I mean, just yeah. think what comic books would be without Robin and the Joker and Captain America. Yeah. So it's it's kids today. That's that's the problem <laughs> with the country. Sometimes I, I think a lot of the recognition for the guys that built the industry in the '40s is being lost these days. But yeah, that's another subject, I guess. Mm. Um, in other news, DC Comics relaunched their entire DC Universe line of books. Are you reading any of the new new 52? I mean, uh, I know you're reading the super books, but yep. anything else? No, I think I read every number one when, you know, they initially came out just for for giggles, but uh I admire your fortitude. I know, it was kind of hard some of them. Most of them actually. <laughs> but uh <laughs> No, I'm I'm just reading Superman right now for the Superman 52 podcast I'm mm. a co-host on. That's it. You're not reading the other books he talked about there? Well, yeah, all the oh, okay. any books we talk about on that show I've read. Uh, okay. I keep telling myself that I should read the Batman ones too, just in tandem with Superman, since I'm reading all those anyway. But I, I have yet to do it, and now I'm getting farther and farther behind. So further and further behind. So well, that would triple your reading list because Batman has like I know. 50 books. I know, I know. And his and some of his were the ones that I really didn't like reading. You know, the number ones of. So I'm I'm reading Superman and Action Comics as well as the four Green Lantern books, but I've largely jumped off the train of modern comics. Uh, a lot of what's coming out of DC these days just isn't what I want in my reading, and if people like it, that's great for them, but it, it's just not for me, so I spend more of my time and money on back issues these days. Hey, yeah, whatever works. Um, yeah, it's really weird. Like, I don't have a problem with them you know, rebooting or relaunching or whatever they want to call it, but it just doesn't seem like a great starting on point. I don't know. I think they really missed the boat. Personally, but apparently they're selling well, so what do I know? Uh, but speaking of cancellations, Batman the Brave and the Bold also ended its run on television, sadly. And the comic book uh, is coming to an end. In fact, the final issue will already be on stands by the time listeners hear this. Uh, Tiny Titans is also being canceled, another kid's book. And that's very sad because I was enjoying both of those quite a bit, even though they were they were aimed at a lower demographic than I am. Um, but the Brave and the Bold isn't really a surprise with the cartoon gone, and, and Tiny Titans had pretty much run its course, I think. So That was a great last episode, though. Of Brave and the Bold? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love that one. And they, they recently just announced they posted a list of upcoming uh, trade paperbacks and hardcovers on the Source blog. And Batman Chronicles Volume 11 is going on sale in December. Woohoo. So start saving your pennies. It reprints the last of the comic book stories from 1943 and starts on 1944. And it will contain the first stories that were published concurrently with the Batman newspaper strip. So it should be interesting to see if the strip has any influence on the, the stories they were telling at that point. It's too bad they don't put the strips in those books just to make our life easy. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least they've released all the newspaper strips yeah, already. Kitchen true. Sink put those collections together. So. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. Let's see what else. DC got a new logo, mm-hmm. which really doesn't have any effect on anything. No. Uh, there's been all sorts of trailers and images for The Dark Knight Rises. Yes. Which I know Very exciting. Mr. Kaiser is looking forward to. Yes, yes. Uh, me, not so much. I haven't even seen The Dark Knight yet, but hopefully we'll be getting a Man of Steel trailer with the movie, so, or around the movie. So. Well, you'll have to see The Dark Knight eventually when we get to episode... 4,628. <laughs> I'm leaving that for my grandkids. My grandkids will be hosting the show by then. Um, but on a more personal note, and this is where we have our shameless self-promotion, both Mike and I have started new podcasts, or, or are involved in new podcasts, I guess I should say. So do you want to tell them about yours, Mike, and then... All right, mine's called the... What is it called? The New 52 <laughs> Adventures of Superman. The sad thing is, is, it was my idea for the title, and I can't even pronounce it, but... Yeah, it's the new... 52 Adventures of Superman, kind of a playoff, the new Adventures of Superman. Um, and essentially, that's what I think I already said. We're talking about uh, the new 52 Superman. So we've started with, uh, you know, Action Comics number one, Superman number one. Anything that involves a super person, uh, we're trying to cover it, even if it's just small appearances like Superboy and Teen Titans or, or what have you. So uh, we're on episode, I think, three just came out, um, and we're we're rolling along. It's a... It's a what is the word? Bi-monthly comes out twice a month. Bi-monthly uh, uh, episode starring uh, starring myself along with uh, John Wilson and David J. David Weeder. David Weeder. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new name for him, David. I like it. Uh, it's like Jarvis, but no. Yeah. And you can find that at new fifty two new fifty two superman dot dot com. And Lipson is L-I-B-S-Y-N, in case you've never been there before. The show I started, I started it with Jeffrey Taylor and J. David Weeder, or Javid Weeder, if you will. <laughs> uh, and that's called Green Lantern's Light, and we are covering Green Lantern books. We started with Green Lantern number 172 from 1984, which was the – it was kind of the start of a new era for the, for the title. Uh, a new writer came on, new artist, and kind of a, a new direction. So we've been working our way forward. We are on episode four, probably five by the time you hear this, and we've been having a good time. We're heading full steam into Crisis on Infinite Earths right now, so that's been a lot of fun. And how often does that come out? Oh, that's a monthly show as well. Okay. And then we occasionally have like special episodes, like we did a special for the premiere of the Green Lantern cartoon. And But the regular show is just uh, monthly at GreenLanternsLight.com. Cool. But as for this show, when we put the show on hiatus, we had a few emails and notes that were yet unread, and we've received a lot of feedback since, both from people who said they were going to miss the show and from people who have discovered it since. Since it's been quite a while since we've recorded and and tracking down a lot of that feedback would be rather time-consuming, we're just going to let that go for now and, and move forward. We do appreciate everyone that has sent feedback or, or left iTunes reviews or comments on the website. I think I can speak for Mike when I say that it means a lot. We've gotten several comments since the show ended from people saying they had just discovered it and, and were disappointed that there was kind of a, an abrupt ending to the podcast. Um, so that really means a lot to me. So thank you to all those who have emailed in. Um, we will be reading any new emails that come in. But trying to catch up on the backlog would just be a rather big job. So we're just going to move forward with the stories and and read the fresh emails that come in. So 
We'll be giving our contact info at the end of the episode, so be sure to write in and let us know your thoughts. There is one email that I wanted to read, and this came in – actually, I think it came in about a week after we recorded the last episode. Um, the author pointed out something that I didn't know, and since we're really trying to cover as many bases as we can regarding the, the history of Batman and Robin and their creation and, and development, I wanted to make sure and read this one. It's from Billy Hogan, and he writes, I know I'm a little behind on commenting on episode 13, but I wanted to let you know that I'm enjoying this episode as I do each new one. And just to interrupt real quick, episode 13 covered March 1940, which included Detective Comics number 38, which featured the debut of Robin. Uh, so Billy continues, One thing I've read about the creation of Robin was that Bill Finger and Jerry Robinson talked Bob Kane out of naming Batman's sidekick Mercury and giving him a much different costume. I have the famous first edition oversized reprint of Batman number one, which contained a Professor Strange story that was originally scheduled for the issue of Detective Comics that premiered Robin. That showed Batman at his most ruthless. Continue the great work. I had never heard that Kane wanted Mercury to be the sidekick's name. No. So I did a Brit... Uh, just a little bit of Googling, and I found a couple websites that mentioned it too, and even one that further stated that Wildcat was suggested by Bill Finger as a possible name for the mm. sidekick. Wow. Now, obviously, Wildcat was rejected too, but Bill Finger would go on to later create a hero using that name with Erwin Hasen, and he would debut in late 1941. That's the JSA guy? or Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if he's... They were going to name him Mercury. Were they going to? Was it? Was he going to correspond to that name in any way, or or was that just? I mean, was he essentially going to be the same character and just called Mercury, or did they have a different idea for? That I didn't see anything on. Mm, that's yeah. interesting. They're going to make him like a speedy sidekick or something. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. But anyway, thanks Billy for writing in. Billy is the host of the Superman Fan Podcast, which is a show currently going through Superman's Silver Age stories, the, the Mort Weisinger era. And he is also the artist on a webcomic called Slipstream that is written by Jeffrey Taylor. So uh, I'll put – we'll put show no – or show notes. We'll put links in the show notes, and be sure to check both those out. And Billy, thanks again for writing in. And thanks for doing a Superman podcast because, gosh, he needs one. Yeah, there's just not enough of those out there. Yeah. Before we get into the story, there's just one more thing, and I also – that I want to give an update on, and that is Mark Tyler Nobleman's upcoming book on Bill Finger. A few years ago, Nobleman wrote a widely acclaimed picture book on Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster called Boys of Steel, the Creators of Superman. As we mentioned on previous episodes, now he's going to publish one on Finger too, and he announced in November that the title of the book is Bill the Boy Wonder, the Secret Co-Creator of Batman. It's going to be released on July 1st and is going to be illustrated by Ty Templeton. I checked the other day, and it is available for pre-order on Amazon mm. and probably other book sites too. So go ahead and pre-order it now. Uh, the cover image has been released, and I posted that on Facebook a couple weeks ago. So you can head over to the Facebook page and see that. I know I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I oh, think yeah. Boys, of, Boys of Steel was excellent, and... From what he's posted on his website, he's put a lot of time, a lot of research and uh, work into this one. So I think it's going to be really great. I'm trying to get us, get him to uh, send us a free copy, but 
I don't know if that's cool. going to happen. It would be yeah. cool, wouldn't it? We should. We should have advanced signed free copies. <laughs> but we will keep you updated on uh, if we hear any more news. Be sure to check your, or mark your calendars for the book. It, like I said, it's going to be out July 1st, and it's called Bill the Boy Wonder, the Secret Co-Creator of Batman. Lancers, I've called you here to this unprecedented gathering because we face an unprecedented danger. An enemy we don't yet fully understand. It was for this moment that we were created. But I don't need to tell you your duty. I don't need to tell you who we are. Chosen by the Mystic Guardians of the Universe. Recruited from across the galaxy for their bravery and courage. The best and brightest join to fulfill a solemn oath. In brightest day. In blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green, Green Lantern's, Lantern's Light. Light. Green Lantern's Light, a monthly podcast covering the adventures of Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, and the entire Green Lantern Corps from 1984 through today. Say the oath. Join the Corps. Green Lantern's Light. Available monthly at GreenLanternsLight.com. Wow, a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. Okay, but now back to, uh, I guess not reality, but the golden age anyway. <laughs> uh, wait, 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 wait. Are you saying talking flowers aren't reality? <laughs> in, in Wizard of Oz, I guess they are, yeah. Um, all right, as I mentioned earlier, we will be talking about a crazy little story that was first published in Detective Comics number 44, which was cover dated October 1940. It was released approximately on September 3rd, 1940, with a cover price of 10 cents and an editor named Whitney Ellsworth. The cover is by Bob Kane and the late, great Jerry Robinson, and it involves Batman hiding dynamically behind a chimney as a guy shoots at him with Robin swinging at the guy from behind about to take him out. So what do we think of this cover? I like it. Yeah. Uh, Batman's very front and center and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a great iconic pose and even Robin looks very iconic. Mm-hmm. My only complaint is that I wish these covers were more related to the stories inside the book, but mm. we'll get there eventually. Yeah. I think they're still doing that catch up thing. Seems like, all Could these, be. All these covers have been very generic. Mm-hmm. This should be nighttime too, but otherwise it's a good cover. I did notice they added 
You said it should be nighttime? Mm-hmm. Blurs the moon in the sky. Exactly. You're right, yeah. Seems like the colorist didn't get the memo or something. <laughs> um, I did notice that they've added 15 cents in Canada oh. to the price tag. Poor Canadians. Seal. Yeah. At least they're getting a copy. Yeah. I wonder, does that, does that mean that um, this title or DC in general is suddenly able to distribute outside of the U.S., or have they always been doing that? I don't know. I have no idea. We'll have to figure that out. Someone write in, so we don't have to figure it out. Um, we never did hear from that old guy that we asked about in the I first know. episode. Yeah. He's lazier than we are. Okay. Inside, we have a 13-page Batman story called The Land Behind the Light. Written by Bill Finger with pencils by Bob Kane, inks by Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson, and George Rousseau, and letters by George Rousseau. And it starts out with a one of those fun captions that reads, Fantastic adventure in the alien world. This is what awaits the Batman and Robin, the boy wonder, as they enter the strangest land that a man could ever dream of, a land of big and small, a land so bizarre as to be beyond belief. This was the land behind the light. Late one night, young Dick Grayson, who is who is in reality Robin, the boy wonder, sits up reading as he awaits the return of Batman. As the clock strikes midnight, Dick yawns and stretches and tries his best to wait up just a little longer, which ultimately pays off as Batman suddenly appears, proclaiming that the clue he has been following all night has led him straight to the nefarious, I guess, Dr. Marco, and that he's come back to the house to pick up his partner so that they can pay the good doctor a visit. Dick dons his Robin uniform, and then he and Batman make their way through a foggy, ridden night to the creepy-looking house of Dr. Marco, located on 13 Bleak Street. Sneaking inside, they are immediately confronted by Dr. Marco, who is none too happy about the dynamic duo's snooping. Batman demands to know what evil scheme the Doctor is up to, and so Marco leads them into a large room that houses a... 1940s sci-fi looking device that opens up a doorway to the fourth dimension when Marco turns it on. The doctor then jumps through the doorway and Batman and Robin decide to pursue. Upon stepping through the dimensional doorway, the 1940s sci-fi lab is replaced by trees and mountains, but before the Cape Crusaders can get their bearing, a bald giant man creature with pointy ears and hoop earrings grabs them. Uh, with one in each hand, he accuses Batman and Robin of trespassing and calls them, quote-unquote, small ones, though he is unsure if they really are, as he notes his captives are bigger than your average small ones. <laughs> Deciding to let someone else make the decisions, the giant, whose name is Goral, takes his prisoners back to his giant homeland full of other giants who look and dress just like him, and places Batman and Robin in a giant dungeon to wait while he goes off to inform his giant king. But Batman and Robin decide not to wait for their verdict and easily escape through the giant window bars by way of Batarang. Let's all count how many times I say giant, kids. Okay. (laughs) They are then confronted by a giant house cat, which almost pounces on Robin from behind. But Batman saves the day by pouncing on the cat from behind instead and wrestling it to unconsciousness or maybe death. But before they can escape the castle, Goral comes up, comes upon them again and again snatches them up, and this time takes them directly to his king, another pointy-eared giant dressed like Santa Claus. As the king eats his chicken leg, he and Goral, his giant chicken leg, I should 
add, he and Goral decide that Batman and Robin must be a new breed of giant small ones, which upsets the king because that would ruin his plan for small ones domination. He orders the dynamic duo be killed, but before anyone can carry out the order, Batman takes out the king by using a giant pepper shaker to sprinkle pepper in his eye. Batman and Robin then proceed to take out the remaining giants with awesome aerobatics and slings and ropes and stuff. Grabbing a giant knife and fork, just in case, the two then escape the castle by jumping out the window using a giant umbrella as a parachute. Having no idea where they are or what to do, Batman and Robin devise the strategy of getting as far away from the castle as possible. As they make their way along the escape path, Robin is snatched up by a giant condor, but Batman rescues him by pilfering a toy plane from some giant kids. They are then attacked by a giant crocodile, but Batman dispatches it by throwing the giant fork he pilfered earlier into the croc's face. Finally, they make their way far enough to where the locale suddenly changes, and everything goes from giant to tiny. Batman and Robin encounter Dark Dr. Marco again, and the tiny village of the Small Ones, who are a peaceful people that remind Batman of small, happy children. Batman decides to help them concoct a plan for defeating the giant's impending attack. The next day, the giants storm the Small Ones' tiny village, knocking over their houses and easily deflecting their cannon fire with large clubs. But before the battle is won, a sudden squadron of giant toy planes flies onto the scene, dropping sacks filled with bees, hornets, and gnats and mosquitoes, which immediately attack the giants, driving them away. All the giants but one, Goral, who spies Robin and chases him down, picking up the boy and threatening to crush him to bits. As Robin struggles for his life, he wakes up to find himself back in the chair in front of the fireplace with his book and Bruce shaking him, telling him to wake up. Dick is surprised and relieved that it was all a dream. As Bruce examines the book Dick was reading, which is entitled Giants and Dwarfs and Myth and Fable. The End. And there's a little caption that reads, Next month, back to reality. The reality of Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder in their ceaseless fight against crime and a new breathtaking adventure. You're telling me it was all a dream? Yeah. I just spent 15 minutes reading a story that was a dream. <laughs> Isn't that fun? That's it. I quit. No. Yeah. No, that's what I meant. <laughs> no, because uh, next week it's back to reality, they said. Okay. So anything had... to say on this one? Yeah, me neither. Okay, so next week. Oh, I'm just kidding. I had my overall notes first, but let's go ahead and do page by page like we normally do, and then. Okay. Uh, cause I, you have more page by page than than I thought you would. I really don't have that many. Um. Yeah, I'm just squeezing blood from the stone here. But sure, <laughs> all right, let's go. <laughs> uh, I have some comments on the opening, and just in general, the artwork, but the opening in particular. Um, we've been getting a lot of cool splash pages on these stories, but this mm-hmm. one isn't isn't one of my favorites. Yeah, it does a nice job of drawing your eye down the page, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's not the greatest. The problem for me is I think uh, Kane isn't especially great at perspective. No. So the giant looks wonky, and Robin, who's laying on the floor, looks like a cardboard cutout or something. Uh, and just in Robin, I, the cardboard wonder. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, just in general, throughout this whole story, it's like it's a story about giants, so you kind of need to know how to draw perspective, I would think. Yeah. In order to pull it off, and it, it just—they always look weird. Um, I, I actually had a question on this front page, though. Does Robin not have a bedtime? 
Yeah, well, in theory. Or does he always does he have to wait up for Batman? I don't know. Or like just it's interesting that he's not out on he's not <laughs> it's not a given he's out on patrol, I guess, still. Yeah. He only goes out for the less dangerous gigs or something. Maybe this was one of those times where Batman had to go do something that, you know, to, to solve the case when and well Robin stayed at home. Well, they never really even say what Batman was doing. No. If he was even Batman, maybe Bruce was just on a date or something. Well, know. when we get to the end of the page, is he in his Batman costume? No. Oh, yeah. You're right. But what does Robin say at the beginning here? He says, I wish the Batman would come, would get back soon. But maybe he, he always, he calls, always him. Called, he always <laughs> called him Batman, whether he's in a suit or not. Hey, the Batman, can I get you some cereal? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Page two. I the only thing I really got to say is I I really like the uh, the moody foggy panels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the third panel there was probably the best part of the whole story. Yeah, which is sad because it was probably done just to uh, save time. Here, let's just draw their silhouettes and I know some squiggles in the background. That's what's great about drawing Batman. If you got if you don't have a lot of time, you're going to come up with a really good looking book. Yeah. So page three, he goes to this. They go to this Doctor Marco. Or this fake Dr. Marco, I guess. Um, I'm just always curious where Finger or Kane or both come up with their story ideas. You know, there was that, like we always make fun of, that flower with faces story. And then it turns out it came out around the same time as Wizard of Oz. So then you right. think, oh, okay, maybe. But of course, that wasn't even Finger. But anyway, the fourth dimension. They say the fourth dimension. And I was just like, wow, fourth dimension. Where do they pull that up, you know? So, but I Googled fourth dimension and I couldn't really come up with anything that has anything to do with this time period or you know sci-fi fiction stories or mm. anything so I don't know where they got that term but it made me wonder yeah it could have been something he pulled out of a, a sci-fi fanzine you know for all we know yeah exactly um, and again I like the uh, it's not quite as cool as Hugo Strange's fog machine uh, drawing, but I do like the the pseudo sci-fi, you know, energy, whatever those things are called, the little balls that shoot energy in between each other. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah, uh, that looks kind of cool with the. Yeah. I was so frustrated by the time I got to the end of this and did my notes that I I really didn't pay much too much attention to that kind of thing. Well, yeah. it's hard because it's like, you know, the things we would normally comment on, you could just excuse with. Excuse with, you know, well, it was just a dream. So Yeah, 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 yeah. Eh, whatever. Uh, page four, though, I, I do like the the scene here of Batman and Robin walking from the lab into the the fourth dimension where, where it's like a split panel. Oh, yeah. I thought I that really was kind of cool. Too. Yeah. I would have preferred, I think, to see a little bit of a different coloring style mm. on the left-hand side of it. Yeah. But they didn't really do that and, you know, back then when they only had four colors to work with, so... And a bat logo on Batman's chest would have been. <laughs> well, that would have been helpful too. Yes. I like that it's going from. How do, how do I put that? Yeah, it's going from right to left. Yeah, it probably should have went the other way. Well, should have in the storytelling sense, but I kind of like that it's not going that way. And I don't, I don't think they did this on purpose, but it just makes it even more bizarre and sci-fi looking. I guess I don't know. It was a really cool transition. Yes. It's kind of surprising that they they did that. To tell you the truth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're not they're not especially, you know, groundbreaking um so far in the art department, but well the 
comparing it to the Superman stories I look at, the the, the page layouts are a lot more creative because the Superman stories mm-hmm. all use the a, a strict eight panel grid. Where here, you know, they Kane breaks it up and yeah, he has these circular panels with, that are nice and the, the long. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was too many in this one, but sometimes he has those very vertical panels. That's true. He does. He has been playing with the layout. I have no more notes to the end of the story. So. All right. Well, I don't know that I have anything I haven't already said. Page five, again, more more weird foreshortening on the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, it just looks wonky. It looks like he doesn't have a waist or something. But uh, Batman has very dainty legs. First <laughs> panel. Yeah. Um, but the bit where they're escaping and Batman says they're escaping the dungeon and Batman says I. We could squeeze through those bars up there if we could reach them. The battering might be the solution. And somehow, Olin uh, Soule's voice popped in my head when I read that. And that's the guy who did the uh, voice of Batman from, like, the uh, Super Friends era. Okay. Now to find the Capricorn Kid and give him his final showdown. There was either Adam West or that guy. I like that guy better, personally, as far as voiceover work goes. But Yeah. Yeah, usually I don't really hear a specific voice, but for some reason on that panel... It just sounded very uh, Super Friends, I guess. Um, love the fight with the cat. <laughs> it's not every day you get to see Batman fight a house cat. Yeah. Um, I even think the art was pretty cool on that. I like the, the full Nelson yeah. shot. Uh, he looks all buffed out. and um, Not sure if he killed it or not. I guess it doesn't matter in a dream, but uh, I think it's funny that it's probably 1940, so nobody cares if you kill a cat. Um, that's terrible you could still be a hero and kill cats and crocodiles I guess I guess so um, nowadays he saves cats but anyway um, it's funny to me though that if you go to page 7 you can essentially skip pages 5 and 6 altogether and nothing it doesn't matter to the story <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely right because they're in the, in the giant's hands, and then they're in the giant's hands again. Yeah, it's so. just like, we need two pages to fill. All right, <laughs> throw them in a dungeon, and let's put a cat in there somewhere. Okay. Batman, giant cat, go. Yeah. yeah. And I wrote down, um, is this the first story where Batman uses big props in some way? <laughs> but as soon as I wrote that, I kind of felt like I had already written that before, so now I'm not sure if that's true or not. But and It's a dream, so. It is a dream, but that's going to be like a thing, where they're always going to these big prop factories. Yeah. And fighting all the time. So here he is with a big pepper shaker taking out a giant. Um, let's see. I don't really have much to say about the fight. It's a you know your typical Batman-Robin fight, except for the fact that they don't really fight giants that often. But, uh, just Hugo, Hugo Strange's monsters. Yeah. Of course, he just attacked them with the bat plane. So. Yeah. But here's where you could comment on, like, why would a big giant castle have an umbrella stand? But, hey, it's a dream, yeah. so that's why. Yeah, I even had a note about that somewhere, and I think I deleted it because it's like, it. well, it's, it's a dream. So the crazy stuff, you know, Yeah. you can just explain it away. Oh, it's a dream by a kid. Yeah. Probably ate too much candy at night. So. Yeah, he read about umbrellas and giants or something. Um, I think it's... T- Page 10 where Batman saves Robin from a giant condor and then a giant crocodile. Yeah. All in one page, which just sounds impossible, but... Um, in a toy airplane? Yeah. Why do giants have toy airplanes? I don't know. But um, 
I think it's funny that they compressed all that action into one page, but then you have the, you know, pages five and six, which do nothing. Right. They could have, I don't know. That was the one part that really felt like a dream to me because it was just so surreal. Like, oh, Robin's picked up by a condor. Oh, here's a toy plane. I'll beat the condor with it. And then as soon as he lands, oh, here comes a crocodile. I'll stab a fork in its eye. Okay, moving on. (laughs) It kind of surprises me Robin didn't play a bigger part in this. Considering it's his dream. Right. Yeah. I guess he just dreams about Batman or something. Uh, Not going to touch that one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The small ones, they reminded me of Wimpy from Popeye. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. They don't have, they don't have any hamburgers or anything, but uh, they're kind of funny though. They're like these little Napoleon-looking dudes. Yeah, um, with, the, with the army outfits here, firing a cannon. I'm on page twelve, skipping ahead a little bit. But. Oh yeah, that's yeah. And the guy's yeah. like holding a funny the funny pages as he's shouting fire. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Very cartoony actually, which is not how Bob Kane initially started out drawing this book. Uh-uh. And yeah, that takes us to the end, really. I mean, yeah, and I don't think this is a real book. I I couldn't find anything on Google that it yeah, was. Me either. It's it's very on the nose, so it yeah. probably is not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Gi- um, Giants with pointy ears and dwarfs that look like Wimpy. Bye. <laughs> I thought this was a fun story. It's just not the kind of Batman story that I want to read. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I yeah. definitely don't want more like it. Yeah, well, you know, like we said, the problem with dream stories is when they're done, it's like, okay, well, that was silly, and right, you can't comment on it because you can't be critical of it because anything can happen. So right, the leaps in logic and the the, mm-hmm. the nonsense. Well, it, it's a kid's dream. Well, so that's kind of a cop out. But I, I have seen stories that are all dreams that do offer. Mm-hmm things you can comment on and, and food for thought but like like um that uh to keep it on batman the new batman adventures episode have you ever seen that one where barbara dreams that she gets killed i'm pretty sure i have seen it but it's been a while i can't remember exactly the details either but essentially she dreams that she was killed and then of course commissioner gordon finds out who she really was because he unmasked her and then he rages war on batman for putting his daughter in. Oh, I have seen that was. Uh, wasn't that uh, the scarecrow using his? Fear oh, was toxin? it? See that I don't I even remember. Think maybe you're probably right. Yeah. I need to really get the DVDs of those and watch them. So in the case of that, again, it's it's a what if, but it's kind of a what if in a or it's a dream, but it's a dream in a what if scenario. Like that actually maybe could happen. What if? Right. What if Commissioner Gordon found out that Batman's endangering his daughter? You know. Yeah. Whatever. So, well, we could talk about what if Batman wrestles a giant cat. We could. someday he's probably going to do that, and it's not going to be a dream. <laughs> Hopefully, a long time from now. Yeah. I wonder if this was just a a funny idea that Finger had, or if he was testing the waters for lighter, goofier adventures. Yeah, I can't. I mean, we're, I'm a little rusty here. It's been six months since I've thought about Golden Age Batman, but. Um, I seem to recall it kind of being a mandate that they be less uh, dark, wasn't it? Well, he they introduced Robin, 
mm-hmm. which lightened it up some. And then he had that story where he killed like 50 people. <laughs> right, and right. and the, uh, yeah, yeah. the story today is that that story kind of caused the mandate to have lighter – or to, no, to stop the killing anyway. But really the stories haven't lightened up a considerable amount. I mean it has been some, but not, not to this Batman level. wrestling a giant cat with dwarves and, and giants, you know? Right. Um, do you think this was also influenced by Gulliver's Travels? Could be. There was a Fleischer Studios uh, animation of that that came out in December of 39. Mm-hmm. And Little Nemo and Slumberland, too, was probably an influence because that was a big comic strip at the time, a newspaper okay. strip, which has you know the little boy having dreams and going on all these adventures in oh, wow. Slumberland. Oh. So. I missed that one. Okay. Yeah, so anyway, it was again, it's, it's not like – they have to hit him out of the park every week. This is a weekly book, so or a monthly book, so. I I peeked ahead to next, the next story we're going to be looking at, and it's better. Okay. From what I remember of it, it's better. The, the villain's better anyway. So. See, we should have went on hiatus with this story. Because <laughs> it was kind of it's kind of anticlimactic to come back. And with then cover a, this one. With probably the, the worst story we've had. <laughs> the, the yeah. I, I see this on our, our year in review, winning some award, but I'm not sure which one. <laughs> it lets us ease back into the show. Yeah. All right. So anything else on this one? Do you want to tell them where it's been reprinted? or? <gasps> I would if I wrote it down. Okay. It's Batman Archives Volume 1 and Batman Chronicles Volume 2. Surprisingly, that was the only two places it was ever reprinted. It's probably two uh, times too many. <laughs> Uh, you know, we got to be all inclusive. Okay. So, but afterwards, in addition to the Batman story this month in Detective Comics. Not to interrupt, but now that we've made it through this story, it, it can really only be uphill from here. Uh, so that, that's one small bit of consolation. I think he just cursed us. Okay. Or jinxed us, whatever mm. you want to call it. Um, okay, edit that out. <laughs> yeah. On May 30th, 2011, DC Comics announced the historic renumbering of all their superhero titles, and the internet broke in half. It's not true. That's impossible. Critics and naysayers abounded. Confusion reigned across fandom. What'll I do? What'll I do? What an unusual view. Not to mention the first reactions to the Supergirl costume. I hated her so much. It, it, the, it flame, flames, flames on the side of my face, breathing, breath, heaving breaths, heaving. But then the books actually hit. And opinions... He likes it! He likes it! Opinions began to change. The New 52 Adventures of Superman is a monthly podcast where John Wilson, J. David Weider, and Michael Kaiser take a look at each of the adventures of Superman and his family of characters in Action Comics. You know the deal, Metropolis. Treat people right or expect a visit from me. The Superman who appeared six months ago could hurdle skyscrapers and toss trucks around. Now it's faster, now it's stronger. How soon before it can't be stopped? 
Superboy. If resolving a situation for him is going to get me out from under these people once and for all, that's a small price to pay for freedom. Release the Superboy. Supergirl. Okay. Giant metal creatures. Falling from the sky. Speaking in clicks and beeps. Father would love this dream. And Superman. You could do so much good. We could do so much good. I am doing good, Lois. Clark's such a loner. Never really lets anyone get close to him. The new 52 Adventures of Superman. Available the first of every month on iTunes and at new52superman.libson.com. All right, so after the story was a cool advertisement to get your own copy of Batman number two and Superman number seven. I like those ads. I mean, there's a lot of ads I don't talk about, but sometimes I like to talk about the ads. And so what happened in Superman number seven? Quick. First appearance of Perry White in the comic books. Really? Mm-hmm. Did you look that up or did you just know that off the top of your head? I looked it up earlier. Oh, okay. Before we recorded, yeah. Oh, okay. And after that, we have Bart Regan's Spy, six pages called The Immigration Case by Jerry Siegel and Ed Moore. We have six pages of Larry Steele, Private Detective by Ken Ernst. Uh, and it was called The Inevitable the Inevitable Nephew. Yeah, that's how you say that. Then we have six pages of The Crimson Avenger by Jack Letty. And it was untitled, but The Crimson Avenger now looks like a full-blown superhero. <laughs> have you seen – did you look at that story? Uh, I looked a little bit. Um, the the, the uh, lettering is very uneven. There's panels where the lettering is like three times the size the rest of it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it looks like people are screaming when they really have no reason to be screaming. <laughs> My experiments must go on. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, he used to have – wasn't he just like a trench coat guy, the Crimson Avenger? Yes. Yeah. Now he looks like a Golden Age Starman to me. Hmm. Kind of. He's got like the spandex and a little fin on his head and domino mask and a cape and stuff. So he's, he's going full-blown superhero. Everybody wants to be like Superman and Batman. Yeah. Uh, then we have, then we have six pages of Speed Saunders, Ace Detective, Ace by Investigator. Ace Investigator. See, I thought he wanted to be like Batman. Called by um, Ed Winiarski, using the pen name of Fran Miller. Okay. Not to be confused with Frank Miller. Because he uh, had all those awesome book deals, he didn't want to roll up with these comic <laughs> book stuff. Probably. Um, then we had a two-page tech piece, text piece called Death of a Star by Sean McDougal. Six pages of Steve Malone, District Attorney by Don Lynch. That still cracks me up, that District Attorney. <laughs> District Attorney is like a selling thing, but anyway. I don't think he lasts much longer. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, lawyer shows. Everybody likes that, okay. I guess. It just sounds, doesn't sound very dramatic. District Attorney. Um, then we have that monthly book review thing that they've been doing. This one is of The Gold Bug by Edgar Allan Poe. So that's kind of cool. And then we have six pages. Is it, a, is it a review or just like an excerpt from the book? Oh, good question. That would Because the I, ones in action comics have just been like excerpts or summaries. I thought it's called a monthly book review. Right. And 
But you know what? You're probably right. I think it is just an excerpt, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like an excerpt or a summary. Hmm. I've never read it, so I can't tell you which it is. But hmm. but it's not really a great review if it's a review, because it doesn't say like you know Edgar Allan Poe really hit it out of the park with this one, right? Yeah, or anything. So, and there's also an ad for Superman is on the radio again, in that same on that same Yay. page. It has Superman holding a little radio mic. It's kind of cool. Um, then Just we podcasting. Yeah. Hey, that'd be a good picture for you to use on some future advertisement. But anyway. Uh-huh. Not to tell you how to do your work, but <laughs> then we have six pages of Young America's Hero, Cliff Crosby by Chad Grothkoff. And lastly, we have eight whole pages of Slam Bradley by Jerry Siegel and Howard Sherman called The Kidnapping. And no, he doesn't say anything cool on the opening mm-hmm. panel. They've just not been the same since Slam and Shorty were in bed together, have they? No, <laughs> I think that was the last time they were clever. <laughs> Because uh, it's all Whitney Ellsworth's fault. He came in and just yeah. No more violence. No more cleverness. No. No more sidekicks in bed with you. <laughs> oh, other books out from DC and are we on September? That's what I have in my notes. We are on September 1940. Right, September 1940. We had Adventure Comics number 55, Superman number seven, which as I said, first appearance of Perry White. Flash Comics number 11 with a Sheldon Moldoff cover of Hawkman fighting a gorilla. Wow. Yep. I've, heard, I've heard those Hawkman Golden Age stories are pretty good. Haven't read too many of them. I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah. And we had All-American Comics number 20, as well as Action Comics number 30, which had the final appearance of George Taylor in the Golden Age, since he was replaced by Perry White in the preceding issue of Superman. Mm. And no no issue of more fun comics this month because there were two last month. Outside of DC, we had uh, Human Torch number two from Timely Marvel, a book that – it's the first issue, but it takes its numbering from Red Raven number one that was – I think we talked about four episodes ago. And then this book also has the first appearance of the Human Torch's sidekick named Toro. Ah, Toro. Yep. And there was also National Comics number five from Quality Comics, which had the first appearance of Quicksilver, who is now the DC hero known as Max Mercury. Awesome. I don't think I realized Max Mercury uh, was a Golden Age character, but yep, that's one of those that came over from Quality. Huh. Cool. So you got anything else for Detective Comics number forty-four? I think we covered it more than anybody else ever has. I'll be glad to get to the next issue. Yeah. Well, everybody, we want to thank you for joining us and welcome you back to the show. Uh, next episode, we'll be looking at Detective Comics number 45, which was one of two books released in October 1940. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments or just want to welcome us back, feel free to email us at podcast at batmanlegends.com. Also invite you to stop by the website at batmanlegends.com where you'll find uh, show notes for this episode as well as all of our previous episodes. If you're new to the show, be sure to get caught up. At the site, you'll also find a contact form, links to the show's Facebook and Twitter feed, the RSS feed, and the iTunes link. Use both of those to subscribe to the show if you want to. We also invite you to check out Mike's other podcast, The New 52 Adventures of Superman, 
which you can find at new52superman.libsyn.com, as well as my two shows, The Thrilling Adventures of Superman and Green Lantern's Light. But like I said, next episode, we're going to be covering Detective Comics number 45, so we will see you then. See ya. Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger and his copyright DC Comics. in paradise up above if you would tell me i'm the only one that you love life could be a dream sweetheart hello hello again shaboom and hoping we'll meet again oh life could be a dream